This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. It is that time of year when spring cleaning is on the agenda. But have you considered that your medicine cabinet also needs a once-over? So what should you get rid of? How do you get rid of it? Can you keep drugs that are maybe just a bit past the expiry date? Here to answer those questions and all things pharmaceutical is John Papasturgio, our our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Uh, before we get to him, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Hi, John. Yeah, it's good to be back. Okay, yeah, you had some interesting trips. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I'm speaking at conferences in Venice and then in Sweden, and it was uh, just fun to get away, fun to share some of the work we're doing here in Ontario, the pharmacy work, because I think really uh, we're leading kind of... Uh, almost the world with respect to scope of practice. So many of the other countries are looking towards Canada to see how could we get pharmacists involved in other things like vaccination, uh, medication reviews, and some of these other things that we do here in Ontario. So it was good to be able to share some of that. Well, that's that's always great news. I like to hear that we're uh, leading. Uh, you have some new information about this whole topic of cleaning out the medicine cabinet. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I saw it on the list of things we're going to talk about, I got kind of excited because this is one of the areas where I do some research in. And uh, my other life is kind of, the, you know, academia through the University of Toronto. And we've spent some time looking very specifically going into homes of seniors, homebound patients to see what we will find. Because we know, uh, you know, it's one thing to pick up your medications at the pharmacy. It's something very different to take it. And we don't really know, you know, what's happening with all these prescriptions. Are they being used? Are they expiring? Are they being thrown out? Are they being shared amongst patients? And the reality is it's a little bit of all of that. So we got a grant from the uh, Canadian Foundation of uh, uh, Pharmacy to look into this specifically. And we're about to publish the results. But it blew my mind going into the, the homes of some of these patients, the amount of medications that are being hoarded in medic- medicine cabinets. Like we were literally coming back with bags of stuff after. And it's, you know, sometimes well-intentioned. You know what, maybe I'll use this down the line or, you know, maybe this uh, antibiotic, I'll get sick next week or the week after and I'll, I'll, I'll use it then. That's like the worst thing you could do because there's very specific indications for the drugs that you're taking. You can't just kind of mix and match whenever you feel like it. We found patients uh, uh, sharing medications with their neighbors. Uh, we found things in the cabinet that wasn't weren't even theirs. It was you know they they someone else had given it to them, and uh, and many patients there were there were contraindications with the, the the medications that they were currently on. So I think the message here is, if you have old medications, 
get rid of them. And by get rid of them, I mean come back to the pharmacy with them and we'll dispose of them. Don't throw them in the garbage because some of them can be uh, uh, toxic or, or flush, dangerous. Or flush them down the or toilet. Them Definitely down the toilet. don't do no, that. No, yeah, I think you potentially get into the water supply. Uh, we have specific ways that we're able to dispose of this stuff. We send it off. Uh, uh, just bring it in. Uh, um, there's a, a brown bag program at Chopper's Drug Mart. If you come in, we give you a special bag. You can go and clear everything out and, and bring it back to us. But um, what we found was about 70% of the patients that we visited, uh, we had to remove certain medications from, from the home. So it wasn't something that was uncommon. The other aspect of this is the amount of wastage that we're seeing, right? So, um, you know, why are pe- people taking their medication? Are they filling these prescriptions for no reason? Because we do have a publicly funded uh, health plan uh, program for our seniors anyways. Uh, um, it's something to think about also. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I guess sometimes I guess you can keep drugs uh, for a long time. I mean, I, I, I actually asked Dean about this because um, I I have to take um, a, a, a tranquilizer before I do an MRI, which sure. is once a year. And I asked him, the, for some reason, the last time I got the prescription, I got you know, four pills or something. I said, as I said, I only take it once a year. And, and I looked at it and I think it said, you know, 2015. I asked him, can I still take this or should I get a new one? And he said, no, it'll be fine. It might be slightly less effective than it was. And it was completely fine. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. There are situations where, you, yeah, you, you may want to keep some medication on hand. You know, the cough and cold stuff, medications like that. I mean, uh, the, there's obviously uh, uh, situations where that's going to be necessary. What I do recommend to patients is uh, get your pharmacy to write the expiry date on the vial if it's a prescription medication. It's not, not actually a legal requirement to keep the expiry date on the vial. So many pharmacies don't do that. Some do it out of habit and they just write, write it on there. But it's a good way at least for the patients to know when that medication is expired. It's OTC stuff like the over-the-counter products. Obviously, keep it in the original packaging. That original packaging will have the expiry date. Uh, for the most part, tablets, you're very right. They last pretty long, right? I mean, the, even the expiry date's uh, listed on the packaging Yeah, it, didn't, well. it wasn't an expiry date. It, it was the date it was filled. Filled, yeah, yeah. That's usually what you'll have on the package. But uh, liquids, eye drops, inhalers, stuff like that, you got to be a little bit more careful with. Uh, those tend to go bad faster than the, than the oral tablets. Oh, Okay, yeah. I have some pretty old inhalers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the inhalers, you know, it's the device itself. It gets all crusty, cruddy, and then, you, you know, the, the, the aerosol area gets kind of blocked up, and then you're not, you don't know what dose you're getting. I think that's more of the problem. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again, and uh, it's radio. So, so let us know, have you kept drugs uh, for quite a while, you know, on the theory that maybe you'll need them again, maybe you'll get sick again. Have you ever uh, shared drugs? Drugs can be expensive. Not everybody can be afford, afford it. Um, or do you actually clean out your medicine chest on a regular basis? Uh, we'd like to get a sense of what is happening out there. As John was just saying, all of those things are really common and uh, they aren't necessarily good for you. So uh, please do let us know what you actually do. The number is to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And of course, uh, John is happy to answer any of your pharmaceutically related questions 
as well. And it's springtime, though the winter seems to be hanging on, uh, still getting a lot of people with just kind of cold symptoms, change of season, allergy. Oh, right now, cough and cold season is still big. We're seeing people, it's the change in the weather. It always brings in uh, uh, people that seem to get these colds. It's not the flu that's circulating right now. It's just pretty much the common cold. Uh, you know, if you're in the pharmacy and you're you're looking uh, to pick something up over the counter, my advice is just speak to your uh, uh, pharmacist because some of these uh, cough and cold products, they do uh, interact potentially with some of your prescription medications. So it's always good to ask if you're not sure what you're getting, but we're seeing a lot of that right now. Hopefully it doesn't last too long. Yeah, yeah and I was getting con- confused uh, with cold medication because some of it is to take at night and it has extra stuff to make yep. you. And unless Unless it's marked drowsy or non-drowsy, and it wasn't, uh, it was hard for me to tell the difference between the stuff that I might want to take in the day and the stuff that I might want to take at night. Yeah, and it's, it's actually pretty simple. Like all these cough and cold medications, they generally have a combination of four ingredients. They've got some type of pain relievers, so Tylenol or, or Advil, so ibuprofen or acetaminophen. They usually have an antihistamine, so for the watery eyes, kind of runny nose, a decongestant uh, in there, so pseudoephedrine or phenylephrine, something like that. And then if it's drowsy, they throw in a, a sedating antihistamine, and that's really what's making you drowsy. Uh, what are those called? I so there's a bunch of them, but they, they're in there, uh, you know, uh, uh, diphenhydramine, for example, is one of them. If you take that, that will, that will knock you out. It also works as an antihistamine, but that's generally in there as well in the drowsy formulations. And then if you have something specific for cough, there might be a cough suppressant or an expectorant in there uh, as well. But that's it. They're all just combinations of those, uh, you know, four to five different uh, uh, medicinal ingredients. But if you're not used to taking the ones that cause drowsiness, they will knock you out. So be careful during the day, especially if you got to go to work or whatnot and you're not used to taking them. They can make you quite drowsy. And then I find on the flip side, if people that are sensitive to uh, uh, pseudoephedrine-containing products, uh, the decongestants, they could give you that tachycardia, that racing kind of heart. And uh, people feel a little... uh, you know, hyper excitable when they take those during the day. And that's normal as well, especially if you're maybe a little bit smaller in size and uh, uh, a little bit more, you know, susceptible to that, that effect. Yeah. Um, I, and that's news because I thought it was the decongestant that makes you drowsy. Oh, uh, no, no, generally not, right? The decongestant <laughs> will do the opposite. Yeah, for sure. It, 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 uh, it's uh, really activating, we call it. And, and it's usually only the one of the two, pseudoephedrine or phenylephrine that's in there. So, yeah, it's the antihistamine always. And then, uh, you know, gravel will do the same thing. Sometimes you'll find uh, in the anti nauseant containing type products, there'll be gravel in there. That'll make you drowsy as well. Okay, Uh, we've got to take a quick break, but we will be right back. I'm going to give the numbers out again. We've been asking you, um, are you cleaning out your medicine cabinet? Do you keep medication for a long time? Do you share it? Uh, Do you just hang on to it thinking maybe you'll need it again? Uh, We would like to hear from you. And uh, also, John is here to take any of your questions about any of your medications that you're taking. The number is to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we'll be back after this. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. 
Welcome back. I am here with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio. We've been talking about spring cleaning, uh, but of course, he is happy to take all of your questions, and we are going right to the phones. We've got Mary in Mississauga. Hello, Mary. Hi. Um, I was having problems sleeping, and my GP gave me a Zopiclone, Z-O-P-I-C-L-O-N-E, and uh, then I renewed it in December, and my rheumatologist, because I'm on prednisone, he didn't like me taking the sleeping pill at all, so I kind of quit. How long can I keep this? I'm, I'm kind of not taking it. Uh, when did you fill it? Was it uh, December 15th. Oh, yeah. You've, I mean, you could keep that easy for a couple of years, no problem. That tablet's pretty okay. stable. Uh, just I keep it out of reach because... Uh, not. I'm trying not to. Yeah, just keep it out of reach because, you know, sleeping pills, especially if kids get it or something, could be No, I'm the only one here. Um, Also, I was taking Tylenol for arthritis because of my uh, polymyalgia, which I'm taking prednisone, and then I had problems with that, and I quit taking it. But then I realized I've got it in the cover, and uh, it expired in February 2018, like now. Yeah, I mean... Is that okay for a bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, the real legal answer is, yeah, you know what, you should get rid of that. It's expired. But the reality is, uh, and Libby touched upon it, especially with tablets, uh, tablets, as you go beyond the expiry date, it's not that they suddenly go bad or they don't work or they're toxic. Sometimes you lose a little bit of effectiveness or efficacy. What happens is uh, it might not be as potent as it was as some of the drug degrades. But yeah, you'll be okay if you keep that around okay, for a Okay, well, I only took it, la- I took it last night for one reason, because I was having a bit of a cold, and I thought it won't hurt me to take one no, Tylenol to probably sleep a bit. Yeah, no, no, they definitely won't hurt you. With liquids, I worry a little bit more. If you get liquids beyond the expiry date or eye drops, generally I'll say don't do it because the sterility becomes a question, especially with the eye drops, and the li- liquids sometimes could grow like bacteria or whatnot, but the tablets, you'll be okay. Thank you so much. I love the show. I listen every day. <laughs> Great, God, thanks. Yes. No matter who's on. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, I have a question yeah. about uh, drops. Uh, I I got some over, the, uh, I think they were a disin, not a disinfect, what's the word? Um, it was an antibiotic yeah. drop over the counter for my eyes. Yeah. And it felt like, I mean, I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but if I had an infection and I used them, then can I use them? after that, or is there a chance that, that they're infected? Good question. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think uh, it, it, our concern is sometimes once you open it, there's two issues. If you open it, well, if it's sealed, it's fine to the expired date. But if it's open, you get air in there. Sometimes uh, the stability goes bad. The other aspect is what you talked about. When you're putting those eye drops in, sometimes you touch the surface of your eye. Occasionally, people will do that or their fingers get on it. And then there's a chance that you get some bacteria growing on the tip of that applicator. And if you let that go for, say, a few months or half a year, you could be transferring that back into your eye after. So generally, we say with the eye drops, uh, for a course, once it's done, it's done to get a new bottle. It's, it's, it's not worth taking that risk. But uh, uh, I know people that we found in the study, a lot of people were keeping those eye drops around. And, uh, they're you not know, cheap. They're not cheap. And that's the issue. They're, they're not cheap. And people will say, hey, let me try them. So I'm usually uh, I'm pretty flexible with, with things. But there's, the eye drops are the ones that I worry about because I've seen some really bad eye infections that yeah. have uh, uh, resulted from bad technique and whatnot. And it's, it's something I try to avoid. Okay. Um, I will uh, throw that out. <laughs> Let's go to Jennifer in Scarborough. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I have a question for John. Hi. I am a breast cancer survivor. 
And after having my surgery, I find I start having um, panic attack. Okay. Especially if I go into crowd. So I go and my doctor put me in serazapam. Okay. Um, I have not used it for a while, but I have a few that I still keep, and it's about maybe about a year old, and I'm wondering if I should get rid of them. You know what? For at a year, you're probably still good with that one. Generally, the expiry date on those is beyond a year, at least a couple of years, if not more. They're pretty stable also as uh, as tablets. And the reality is with that class of medications, most people don't take them regularly. They take them kind of only when they need them. And that's one of the kind of the pills that uh, I'm okay with people keeping at home because especially for panic attacks, it's you feel one coming on, that's when you take the medication, right? So I think you're okay with respect to that one. You should be fine. Okay, the next question I'll like to ask to um, Tylenol. Yeah? Not Tylenol, Advil. Yeah. I was told that Advil can also cause cancer. Is uh, that true? No, I mean, uh, you know, it depends who you ask because we, we know sometimes uh, there's some evidence now to say the uh, NSAIDs and even uh, aspirin. And Advil is just uh, 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 an NSAID. It's ibuprofen. It's an anti-inflammatory medication. We know for certain types of cancers, like potentially colon cancer, it may actually be beneficial. So we don't really know. But there's no clear data to suggest that ibuprofen is cancer-causing. That being said, there's some absolute contraindications to ibuprofen, so it's not safe in all all situations. If you if you've had a history of uh, gastrointestinal bleeds or stomach upset or or ulcers or anything like that, I generally wouldn't recommend it. If you have uh, any issues with your kidneys, I wouldn't recommend that either. So there's there's situations where, uh, and if you're taking certain other medications, uh, it's contraindicated as well. So it's by no means inert because it's available over the counter. You really have to uh, be careful with some of these drugs because some of the doses now available over the counter are quite high also. So we uh, we have to be careful uh, when we recommend it and who's taking it. But with respect to your cancer question, I haven't seen any real evidence to suggest that ibuprofen causes cancer. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very uh, welcome. Have a blessed day. Uh, yeah. With a lot of things, there's, there, there's a lot of misinformation about all kinds of things out there. That's one of the reasons I'm so happy that uh, we have your, this segment on every week because, you know, and, and people read things on the internet yes. and it's fine if you go to reliable sites, yep. but you know, uh, some of the stuff you see just, you know, it boggles the mind. Oh yeah, Dr. Google. I mean, sometimes all, I mean, some of this stuff, you know, I learned, uh, you know, so long ago, I'll go in real quick. I'll have a patient in the pharmacy and I'll say, you know, we have we have resources we could access, but I'll real quick, I'll Google something to see if I can get it. And some of the stuff that pops up just blows my mind. So uh, you, hit, you hit it right on the head there. You want to use reliable sources. And there are some very, very good sources on the internet, uh, you know, peer-reviewed peer sources, sources where the information is uh, is double and triple checked. I think that's that's very important. If you're just accessing random sites, you're you're probably going to get some misinformation there. So, I mean, uh, you know, if you're not sure where to go, ask your pharmacist. They'll give you a list of pretty good resources, depending on kind of the disease state that you're interested in. Well, exactly, and and there are some kind of brand names for information. Uh, WebMD sure. is not going to steer you wrong. Uh, the Mayo Clinic has right. very good websites in the United States. I mean, and it's it's like the, the same reason that people go to 
brands for other things. That's right. Uh, yeah, but if, if it's Joe Bloggs who's uh, pushing a conspiracy theory about cancer, you don't want oh, that. Oh, you got to be very, very careful. Absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing is this, this thought around, you know, all OTC medications, over-the-counter medications being absolutely safe. It's out there. You know, if it's uh, not behind the pharmacy counter, it's uh, it's no problem. I could just take it, and and that that's uh, that's not necessarily true. Even s- simple things like Tylenol, for example, acetaminophen. If you take too much of that, it can be potentially very very harmful to your liver. And and the challenge is, you find acetaminophen popping up in a, m- a multitude of these products. So you get it on your own in your arthritis medication, in your cough and cold medication. And if you're not aware, you could be taking it from three different sources. And before you know, and this is this this has absolutely happened to patients. They get themselves in trouble with liver toxicity. So um, if you're not sure, ask. I think that's kind of the, the underlying I, rule here. Exactly. I mean, uh, I ask my pharmacist all the time about over-the-counter stuff. And uh, we've done shows on what your over-the-counter medication that you don't think twice about can interact with. So uh, you, really people like, just ask. Yeah, absolutely. It's there for you. Uh, let's go to Barb in Toronto. Hello, Barb. Hi. Yes, I have a question. Please go uh, ahead. Hello. Hi. Yes. yes. Okay. With tamoxifen, Lipitor, and aspirin, baby aspirin, I was told you could have three glasses of uh, wine, whiskey, whatever, uh, a week. I don't know if that's true or not because they say don't drink when you take pills. So I'd like to know the answer to that. That's that's absolutely fine. That's a good question. There's some medications we say absolutely not. It's contraindicated. You shouldn't do it. The vast majority of medications, if you're going to have a drink here or there, it's fine. You just don't want to do it. Like to your point, there are three glasses uh, a week. That's very, very little. You'll be okay. I mean, uh, uh, it's not going to impact the, the three medications you listed. But you could be on certain medications uh, that I would say, no, absolutely not. Don't, don't have any alcohol. So, again, this is another one of those situations. It's very specific to the regimen that the patient's on. But the general rule is, as long as you're not overdoing it with respect to the alcohol, uh, you should be okay. Oh, thank you so much. No, no okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Good question. One of the things I was going to talk about as well, given our topic uh, today, is uh, people, especially with diabetes and their insulin syringes, because I see it all the time in the pharmacies, people not sure what to do uh, with them, how to get discard them, how to throw them away. You could always come into a pharmacy and we'll give you a Sharps container for free. Uh, uh, if you're on any injectable medications, please come in and get one because we've had scenarios where patients are just returning drugs in a, you know, in a regular bag. Pharmacist doesn't know what's in it and there's uh, needles and a lot of times they're, they're not capped. That's potentially dangerous to the staff in the pharmacy. A worst thing you could do is throw that stuff in the garbage. Because oh, my you God. Have, you know, uh, someone, the kids picking it up, uh, uh, even the, the, the sanitation workers. You've, you've got to be really, really careful with needles. And uh, pharmacy's there to help you uh, discard that. That was something else we saw in the study. People not, not storing their needles in a proper way. So it's absolutely free for you. If you're filling your prescriptions at, say, a shopper's drug bar, Go in that shopper's drug mart and say, I'm here to pick up my uh, Sharps container. They'll just give you one for free, and they'll dispose it for free. But you got to do it at your own pharmacy for the most part. That's uh, interesting. And you said people not storing it right, so this is disposing of it. Yeah. But 
are people actually not storing it right at home? Yeah, like insulin, you have to be careful with as well, especially if you keep uh, large supplies of it. Generally, we say insulin outside of the fridge is good for about 30 days. And that's fine. You don't have to keep it on ice or refrigerated or anything like that. But sometimes people will have 90-day supplies of insulin. You got to keep that that supply that you're not using in the fridge. It has to be uh, uh, cool to, uh, to maintain its stability. Um, and I've seen scenarios where, yeah, people just think, oh, it's good outside of the fridge. And uh, especially with a disease like diabetes, you want to make sure the insulin that you're getting is stable and it's going to work the way it's supposed to. And uh, what happens if the power goes? Yesterday, a lot of people lost their power. Uh, so if you have medication in the fridge, um, how long can it withstand a power outage? That's a great question. And it's something many pharmacists ask me, actually, because uh, uh, imagine the, the pharmacist power goes out in the pharmacy as well, oh. and we have a huge I supply. Yeah. I, I didn't we think of that. Have, yeah, we don't have backup generators, and we have a huge supply of vaccines, insulin, and all this other stuff, and very, uh, you know, very costly biologic medication, which is, uh, um, you know, which could be a, a, a huge inventory risk to the pharmacy. And what I tell patients, same thing I tell pharmacies, is generally if the power goes out, keep your fridge closed for starters. You don't want to be opening and closing it because that's going to allow heat to go in. That being said, if it's a prolonged outage best thing to do is call the pharmacy because it depends on the drug. Some drugs, even though it says keep refrigerated, they can actually be outside of the, the fridge for 72 hours. Some vaccines can be outside of the fridge. Uh, what we do in the pharmacy world is we actually call the manufacturer because certain lot numbers can actually last way, way longer also. So we have to determine if what was uh, uh, not kept cool is okay to reuse or if it's something we have to destroy, right? So it's very, very dependent on, on the drug. But uh, uh, for starters, don't open and close your fridge. If it's something like insulin, which is probably the most common refrigerated item, you're going to be okay. But if it's something else, uh, make sure you call before you use it. Okay, good advice. Thank you so much for that. That's all the time we have. Thanks for your calls. Thanks to John Papasturgiu, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Remember, Free For All Friday coming up tomorrow. And right now we break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.